I'm Phoebe and this is Gemma and this is Money Can't Buy a Class, a podcast situated at the intersection of critical theory and reality television. Um, hey, Gem. Hey, Phoebe. Uh, so today uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things, um, two huge cultural happenings that just happened. Uh, one of them is the release of Kanye West's Donda and the listening party. Um, And the other is the season finale of Real Housewives of of New York City, which is crazy because we called it. It's over. Yeah. It ended. Yeah. We kind of did. Right. And like, we've been like obsessed with endings and we've been like obsessed with like what's going to happen to these women who are getting older, like what are their social yeah. trajectories? And it it's over. Like they're not being renewed or they're, I think that Andy or like Bravo, a spokesperson was like, they're not um, like we're taking a hiatus, which yeah. means that they're gonna, like reconfigure the cast. Right. Totally. I mean, this New York finale is a really important one because I don't believe we're ever going to get this era of New York again. And this iteration of New York has been what, has defined like the real housewives for a long time. And these characters are like huge players. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that it's kind of come to its ending point. And I, and, and also that the season ended like kind of quick, like pretty quickly, you know, these older members, like we were talking about Luann and Ramona and Sonia, like they're just getting phased out. And I wonder, you know, what it will be like this next iteration is going to be, more like I guess they're going to get a younger generation maybe but yeah I mean that this season um I kind of ended up uh I ended up like liking Ebony a lot by the end of it I really think that she like loosened up um yeah I think that she you know but it was it's fascinating though because I think that she uh was put into the show as this kind of like woke um like aggressor like that's what people wanted that's like they wanted to frame her um, but I think that like she's she's not like this woke aggressor who's like yelling at everyone. I think that she is like more human than like any of them actually are. And she's just like being herself and, you know, asking people to asking them to like think beyond like the the confines that they think in. And but it's interesting, you know, at the end, like they all have that uh, party where they like dress up as each other, which is like the height of like their COVID dressing up games, but also like the height of their own like narcissism. I know I watched it with my mom and we were like, my mom was like, oh, my God, this is actually a great idea. Like it's like great TV. And it's like they all want to watch themselves being performed by somebody else. Like they just want to like watch themselves. It also had a it had a feeling like the last episodes of season 20 of the Kardashians where it's mm. referencing the show of like, like we talked about on our last podcast with Natasha Stagg, where we um, talked about this kind of like going back in the archive of the show and picking out plot lines to serve the audience. And in New York, that's what they're doing. Like they've watched their cast members and picked up these certain traits that are like signature things on the show. And then they perform those back. And that was like kind of an interesting place to be as a viewer because you're like, oh, look, at they pay attention to the characters the same way we do, you know. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. It turns them into uh, viewers mm-hmm. as, as well as as main characters. Um, observers. That, right. Observers. Something that my my mom told me about relationships. And I, I don't know how true this is, but uh, she, when I was young, she was like she was like, when you're in a long term relationship, you know, it's ending when all you can talk about is the past. And she was like, it's healthy in a relationship to always be talking about the future, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like there's definitely um, yeah. when things are ending, like either consciously or subconsciously, I think that there is kind of a need to like dwell in the memory to like become like kind of hyper aware of like what has happened and who you are and how you got there. And like, you can totally, like, you can very obviously see that with the Kardashians 
in the in the episodes like they they make all those uh, like the time capsule and they're playing they're doing the scavenger hunts and even like the opening credits or, or the memories of them when they were children and even in new york it's like you know they you know they're just kind of like they're all callbacks to to like right. moments i was just gonna say i love that um Luann was assigned to Ebony because last time Luann dressed up as a black woman, she did blackface. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wait. I want to, I want to <laughs> touch on that part, the racial thing, but also the thing is like with New York, it's like they've built up a ton of history and especially the trio of Luann, Ramona and Sonia, like in a different way than the Kardashians, like there's aging in the Kardashians, but I feel like with the real housewives in New York, it's like following women from like, like they're like 40 to like, 65 I don't know that feels like a more pronounced passing of time observation you know what I mean yeah yeah and you can also like they um they've all had like very significant plastic surgery right except Luann Luann actually looks great yeah Luann looks better than she ever has I don't think she has much work done Ramona has like just tons of filler and Botox well, Ramona and Sonia both got like full on facelifts and yeah. look very different from when they first started out. Sonia still um, looks kind. She still has like the integrity. Her face is so interesting that she still has like her face. Yeah. And I remember uh, I saw on Instagram that like Leah, um, uh, there's this like weird notion of feminism where it's like, which is like very like contemporary feminism, uh, which is kind of like, uh, being a woman and being like a confident woman is like being able to do whatever you want to do as long as you're like truthful about your desire to do it yeah. uh, so like Leah posted a photo where she was like topless I think in like a magazine and then she was like wait I'm so sorry I need to repost that because they like uh, they photoshopped out my like breast uh, augmentation scar you know, and she's like, I'm a feminist and I want to like include the scar because like I want you to know that like my breasts aren't naturally perfect. And it's like, it, you know what I mean? Like that type of truth. Yeah, yeah. You can look on her Instagram. I mean, it was like pretty insignificant. It wasn't like a big media blitz or whatever. I just saw it and it's just like, I feel like that's like so classic for like this weird like younger generation of feminism where it's just like you're doing something which is like so totally grounded and like like the system of the patriarchy or just like western society but you think that like you have a pass on it <laughs> by like you know by like uh by by being honest that you've that. well that's yeah well that's kind of that's kind of amazing no that's a kind of an amazing thing because it's like it's like you know some women post those images of like if they've had like a mastectomy, mastectomy you know they post like their scars of like you know because they had to like get their breasts like you know removed because of like breast cancer <laughs> and Leah's like my scar about my breast augmentation like it's mine it's real I own it and it's like it's such a isn't that crazy that is weird yeah it's <laughs> like that, that that is a very it's a very exemplary kind of symbol of like the way that yes you're right that those that class and age of women tend to think of yeah no I mean Leah Leah as a as an addition she's I mean she's really fascinating I think like I don't which is again why it's like I don't like saying I like or don't like her because like I I don't like her but I think that she's still like super fascinating because it's like first of all she comes on the show sober and I don't I don't think anyone else has come on the show sober right like she she already was and then, then she drank for one season but she came on as being like i'm a sober person i have alcohol issues so it's like you she had already dealt with it in a certain way um but i don't know she kind of like i don't i don't know what it is about her she she has this strange drive towards towards truth don't you feel that like where she wants people to tell the truth she wants people to be honest right but it's it's different than lisa rinna's own it because I don't think that Leah necessarily wants people to like take accountability yes. because I don't, I don't know of like her, I think that she wants people to like show their true colors to use like a different like metaphor. I, th- I think that Leah really sees a lot of like evil in the world. Right. And I think that she even understands that she's part of the evil in the world. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that she, um, I think she has an anxiety about hiding 
Yes, I think she does too. Like, well, when she got so pissed off at Ramona for like just not, not like just saying that like she didn't actually get bl- blood plasma done, like she like can't deal with the fact that she knows Ramona's lying. It's like, I mean, maybe she's trying to prove something or trying to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that a lot too with like uh, in the, I think it's like one of the last episodes she's talking to Rob, who's like the the father of her child. And she's like, I want Kier. Yeah. That's her name, Kier. She's like, I want Kier to go to a private school. And the dad's like, private schools in New York cost $60,000. And she's like, well, yeah. that's why I work so hard. Kind of like gesturing towards the the aura of the room. So you're like, yeah, like that's why she's on the show. You know, she's like being honest that she's like on the show in order to pay for right. her like daughter's uh, like education, you know? So it's, I, I don't know. And it's like, it's like a, it's kind of like a way to be yeah. on the show, which, which ruins the show in a certain way. Cause she's like over it. She's like on it, like almost ironically. You know, and I think that all the other women, like Ebony included, are on the show yeah. for not, not, a, or, or even if they're on the show for the money, because like obviously Sonya's on the show for the money. They're also on the show based on like this deep narcissism that they almost like feel like they deserve to be on the show. But I don't think that Leah has that. I mean, Leah has a lot yeah, of narcissism, they want a platform. but I don't think that she has a narcissism to think that she deserves to be on the show. Yeah, I think with Leah, what Leah has is that Leah has. Um, but she, to me, feels very aware of the significance and like role of the show mm-hmm. in like media. Like, I feel like she's incredibly facile with like all the cultural things that the show has come to stand for that the other women are not aware of because they are not part of her. They never were the viewers of the show. They've always just been on the show. And Leah, like, you know, as much as she wants, is like much as she wants us to like believe she's never watched the show. Like she's like definitely like a fan and understands like what role she's stepping into. And I think she's interesting because she kind of wants to be on the show because it's like, because it is ironic to her, but it's also like kind of amazing that she like that she's on the show. Like she's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm on Real Housewife, you know? And I noticed too in like the dress up party, like Ebony, you know, Ebony's like, of course I'm wearing Giovanni and she's bringing up all this stuff that Ebony wasn't, Ebony wasn't there for, you know, like, but she's also clearly watched the show because the way that she can talk about Luann and like the way that she pulled from moments in the past that she wasn't around for was like, you know, probably like up the producers helped, but she, but she understands like the right. character. I think at the beginning, Ebony said like, oh yeah, I Googled all of you. Like, what do you think this is? You know? And like, I feel like there's more of like in this because of like the current moment we're in where like with social media and like with the way the show has like risen and like extreme popularity is like the, the people who are on it now have this whole different perspective yeah. from at which they like. Yeah. At it. Right. I mean, COVID is also, um, like, I was at this bar yesterday, and, like, the guy saw my ID, and he was like, oh, my God, you're from New York. And then he was just like, oh, my God, like, how is your family? How are your friends? Because, you know, that the uh, Aida just, like, swept through New York and, like, really fucked everything up. I mean, it was worse than, like, I remember during Sandy, like, we were, uh, we couldn't live at our home for, like, 10 days. Um, but, like, no flooding it was like we were pretty much fine yeah but uh Ida was like worse than Sandy I mean those subways are those subways are basically destroyed you know what I mean um yeah I don't know I mean I think that like New York is 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 a place that where you can like where you can like see see its decay no matter how much like the social or like economic landscape of it or that's like contained in it wants to like deny that i i think that it's it's really it's really going under and even even with covid i think that new york new york was the american city not necessarily not necessarily that was hit the hardest but that took like but that took the hardest hit like because new york wasn't expecting that it was going to be hit that hard and then all of a sudden everything shut down no one could pay their rent and I think that a lot of like the social inequalities of it, like as a city yeah. were, were displayed and, you know, and I, and that that's this season of New York. So obviously it takes place like during COVID in a different way than like Beverly Hills does. But I think that even Beverly Hills, like their houses are gigantic. They can go outside, they go on runs and blah, blah, blah. And I, there is just something very like claustrophobic about this season 
right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I feel like also this season just felt like, like, I just feel like the divide was like, it was very clear and it felt like they were not on the same page of like the direction that the show was going to go. It, it did. It really took away from the enjoy and from like the show being enjoyable. And this finale was actually good. And I think I, I like thought it was like, you know, the one of the best episodes, like because it was like they had all these, you know, opportunities to like really like talk about each other, but like also like perform as each other. And that was just kind of fun to see, you know, like that was that's what made it interesting. Like, I have a lot of ideas about that, but I think that the first the, the, the thing that comes into my mind is that like this season was the first season in New York that they've had like anyone who's not white on the show, you know, Ebony and then Brashawn as like a friend of the housewives. And I, yeah. you know, and it, I think that it just becomes very obvious that like the only black people on the show are are younger and and have new money. You know what I mean? And and I always I think about this like as opposed yeah. to like Beverly Hills, just because they're like coastal opposites. Um, where it's just like I think that like the wealth distribution in Los Angeles, b- because I guess the wealth has a lot to do with like actors and actresses and like beautiful people. I I think that it's kind of I mean right. I maybe not, but I think that that's why it's a little bit more diverse. You know what I mean? Because you have like the trophy wives um, who are just like all they have to be is is young and beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? Or like Garcelle, who's worked. Right. Garcelle, who's like right. worked and she consistently moved, as a model and an actress. Right. Since, and she like, moved to 80s. L.A. because she was like a young, beautiful model and actress. And I think that it's like New York is like young. I feel like the yeah. young people who move to New York are like mostly gay and they're like artists or they're musicians or writers. They're not. They're not people who are going to New York to, yeah. to to have the money or to have like the class status that would like end them up on the on the housewives. Whereas in like in in Los Angeles, I think that people go there to be famous in a way that like is about being watched and people looking at you and right. the fashion and the X Y Z. But I think that that's what also makes it difficult this season yeah. is to is to like reconcile like how are how is like the how are people connected to old money in new york how do they interact with younger people who have money and it's like not it's like a whole different language about money yeah yes it is and and i think that's very true because i think even like in thinking about like the inception of beverly hills and new york like new york was billed as more of this sort of like you know like women women on the town and like women like it was like some women who had kids right. and then it was like Bethany who like didn't have money and was like building a brand and then like yeah. there was like Ramona who was like I'm a Jew like I make my own money and I have a hot husband and I have a daughter like and there was Luann who was like the Hamptons person and like Beverly Hills is like the right. lifestyles of the rich and famous they're already famous and then we are going to watch a show about them living out their daily life but yeah they are very very different in that way Luann mm-hmm. was connected to like royal money that's how she got money yeah and uh you know Sonia's JP Morgan obviously and then Jill Zarin, Jill Zarin was like a textile <laughs> mogul <laughs> Yeah, but that's very, I mean, I mean, that's like, that's very Manhattan. That's like, that's very, right. And she's like a Jew like a with Jewish, a textile. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. You know, that's very like, I mean, that that's not like what my family was doing, but like my family was also like Jewish and like obsessed with textiles. You get your textiles from Bobby Zarin. Like, right exactly yeah exactly and it was like and I, I don't know I feel like in a certain way like New York has become less Jewish I mean you know I think that I think or it's or or it's like the concept like Jews have become so ingrained into like like white whiteness you know that I that I think that like you even see non-Jews like professing their love of like Kabbalah and like weird Jewish esotericism or you see Leah I guess that Leah is a great example of that where the show starts with someone like Jill Zarin who's like classic 
Right. And who is like classic Jew. They have that Jewish voice. They're like doing the, you know, it's like their daughters are complaining about the bat mitzvah and like yada yada. But then you now at the end of New York, you have someone like Leah, who in a very strange way is reverting to the Real Housewives of New York tradition of of Judaism. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's it's but it's like really through a lens of like spirituality instead of what an actual New York Jew is in, in my experience which is like the like the sociality of it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is like you see that you saw that so much at that very awkward <laughs> dinner party. Oh, yeah. We should touch on Black Shabbat, which Ramona called Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. I didn't even realize that until now. But you know what I mean? Because I feel like in a, in a very certain way, like even though like um, even though Ramona, Luann, and Sonia aren't Jewish, they're the most socially Jewish. Yeah, out of all of them. Well, Ebony's boyfriend was Jewish. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Ebony. I really do. Like at the beginning, I didn't because I think that she. I think that I I did pinpoint the reason her, which was because I think that she had to learn through the season how to go from being on camera as like a news anchor to on camera as like herself. Yes. But I think that once she made that shift, when yeah. she when she kind of like intellectualized it or understood it, I think that she became like what the best. Yes. You know what I mean? She, because she, she uh, cracked the code. She's fascinating. She's good. She she I I did like her too. By the end I thought I thought she did really well. I thought she was her impersonating Luann was like really funny. And like, I felt like the impersonation thing was. I I doubt they knew that this they were doing this when with like maybe I know they probably did know that they were doing this when they were like making like, you know, editing it or whatever. But this season has been so stressful with like racial politics. And like, that's been such a theme. And like, it's been very like you've watched the women kind of try to mind their P's and Q's, but being kind of like mad that they have to do that. But then on the show, when there's been dress up parties in the past, you know, Luann dressed as Diana Ross and put on literal blackface and like a huge Afro, even though Afro, which is many people noted Diana Ross never, never had an Afro. Yeah. So, so I was watching my mom and I was like, oh, God, I was like, are they really doing this? Are, are they having the women? And I was like, no. And like Sonia even started to do like a voice for Bershon. And I was like, oh, oh, God, oh, God. I was like, I was like, this is going to crash and burn. It, like, this is it. Like, we're we're done here. But they obviously like they had to have talked about it before because like Luann and Sonia definitely would have done something offensive for sure. It felt like they were like toying with the viewer a little bit being like oh oh what's gonna happen but then you know the fact that the episode was so like good-natured I mean like I felt like it was kind of nice to see them see each other it had the real potential to like crash and burn and I feel like the fact that it didn't was like really like a move on the behalf of the producers to be like okay we're finishing up this season like on this note because we can't like you know end it with some because usually the fi- the finale ends and like everybody like everything like bursts into flames and like somebody like hits somebody in the face and then you have to wait till the reunion to hear about it right there's like a lot of resolve yeah. um yeah I mean I, th- I think that um just going off of what you just said I think that the only way they know how to be good to each other is by being each other right, right. because they, they have to use like the first person because you you saw that there was like this shift in their goodness towards each other. It was amazing when they were playing another character. Yeah. All of a sudden, they were that person, and like that identity became like their identity, and they could like they could see each other in a certain type of way that doesn't happen when they're addressing each other in the second or, or third person. Well, they could be kind. You know? Like they didn't have they weren't they weren't hostile. Like it was like the hostility is what faded away. Yeah, but I think that that's because like they because they needed to say the words or because like Leah was Ramona, you know what I mean? And people were referring to her as Ramona. I I think that there was like a certain type of ego, yes, or narcissism and like needing to 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 play the goodness out right. of of the individual as opposed to like 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 looking at someone as your like diametrical opposite. Yeah. Do you, do you, 
like I don't know there is just um they they like love themselves so no matter what character they're playing they're playing someone who who they want to love and that's the only way to show affection towards the character portrayed by the others yes and they love seeing themselves be performed they love seeing like and they love seeing like their essential characteristics being uh like collected and having been observed and having been seen you know and Mm-hmm. And I think like Bershawn's imitation of Sonia was like terrible because she didn't really, she doesn't really know Sonia, but like Leah and Ramona, the pair was like really good, especially because of like, I mean, this is like much more meta than they got into in the show, but you know, you know, we're talking about Leah as this, like definitely like somebody who's aware of the culture, aware of the show has watched it is a fan. Her playing Ramona is like paying homage to like her like her having watched like she 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 has more of a participation in that role that must have been weird Mm -hmm. for her to perform you know yeah have you seen that movie uh los angeles plays itself it's like the Mm -mm. three-hour documentary oh so it's you should uh you should you should watch that um it's it's really brilliant it's this uh it's basically like this three-hour essay but on all the all the shots in the movie are from movies about Los Angeles. Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So it's kind of it's about the construction of L.A. as a city through movie through like the, the industry of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets into like all separate facets of it. It kind of goes from uh, like it's uh, it's almost like chronologically ordered. Um, but I think that that almost that almost relates to. Uh, to what we're talking about in New York, where it's just like New York plays itself, or like the the Real Housewives in New York play themselves. Yeah, the 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 truth of the show, or like a truth of the show, or the construction of New York, um, is indebted to the like it like is indebted to the ways in which it has been portrayed by them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's not a real city, it's not a real show. These are not real lives, but in that like surreal quality or falseness there there's a truth yes and the truth is what's been constructed out of the falseness and out of the supposition of the real you're right that that's how that's like it that's how it's been constructed especially after all this time which is what we've been talking about with all these shows is like after a certain amount of time there's so much history that it's gonna have to you know reflect and it has to change um and it kind of has to end yeah i mean do you think that i think do there are a bunch of re- reasons why it's over. And I will say, I mean, I didn't call it. You called it. I'll give you that. Thank you. Because <laughs> you're the one who for months and months and months has been saying New York's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to end. Like you were, you really could pick up on that. But I wonder if, um, I wonder if one of the reasons that it ended was because they finally found like resolve. Right. You know, they finally just like, they finally ended on a good note. Like yeah, Damn. Ebony, worked her magic like leah worked her magic and they were like all right and then you know they're like you guys are kind of fucked up but uh let's see if we can work on this together and then all the older ones were like oh yes we are kind of fucked up like we won't say that like we'll be better and then you can even like leah has this line in the in the finale right where she's like um like i know that ramona has her days but like you know i actually do kind of love her like you know we all love her at the end of the day yeah which is like that's like a very like a uh, familial that's like very like kinship yes type of thing that's like a that's like the forgiveness that you give to a family member which is not to say that you should forgive your family in that way you know that but that that's a whole other complicated <laughs> yeah. thing but they're but they they've kind of created like a pod yeah you know, it's one of those like quarantine pods for they've sure created desiccated family yeah out of their like circumstances and through that they're like mimicking the the fucked up family dynamics that perhaps they've always craved yes and and also you know it it needs to be said that like you can understand this on a level but it's like hard to like really grasp i think from for like a lot of people like they are together so for so much more time than we see to get because for them to get the edits and the fact that it was COVID and that pod thing is a really great insight. Cause like, 
they really were like they could not usually there's parties there's like there's always huge events there's travel you know like all of that was taken they were really left with themselves and like they were left like with themselves like with just their personalities and their company which like many people you know like that's like was one of like the most difficult parts of covid like people were just like stuck with themselves but they were also really just like stuck with each other yeah and also just like the the reasons why we is what you're saying too it's like the reasons why as viewers we were drawn to the show those have gone away because it's like anyone can have a quarantine pod you know what I mean like everyone has long-standing friendships but it's like you you watch the show because it's a entryway into a world that you'll never have access to partly because you're so like politically or moralistically against it yeah Definitely. Right, right. But I think that when it becomes like when it could just be you mm-hmm. or I found I found myself lacking a level of desire to uh, in any way, shape or form. It's even like I remember in one of our first episodes, I was talking about how like one of the reasons I started watching the Kardashians and then one of the reasons I found myself drawn to New York City was because like it reminded me of like an uh, idealization of my own mother. Mm hmm. Right. Like that was the mother I always wanted was this like rich socialite who also had time for me, who also like, you know, was so rich and lavish and the parties and the presents and all, you know, all of that stuff that like is uh, portrayed as like this almost like ideal New York mom. Yeah. But I think that they get a little bit older or maybe we get a little bit older and you realize that they're um, they're lost. I mean, they're lost women and they're they're really bad mothers. Actually, their their children do not like them. Luann's children sued her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that it's like no longer are they the ideal friends and they're not the ideal mom and they're not even the ideal rich person. Right. Not not all of them are even that that rich. Um so as a viewer, you're almost kind of disappointed or you start to you start to feel pity more than desire. And that's not a that's not a fun feeling. You don't want to. You don't want to feel pity well, when you're watching yeah, television. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I really like the idea of you know talking about like this idealized mother or th- something because like I probably started watching the show when I was like seventeen. So like you know it's been like uh, and I'm twenty five. So it's been like my life has changed a lot in that time, and I've watched my mother change and my family change and like divorce happen. And I think when I was really watching the show, like really heavily, like my parents were getting divorced, you know, I feel like as you get older, it's like your parents just obviously become more like people. And I think like, for me, that's definitely true. And like, has happened a lot with like my mom. And like, I think, you know, there's like a resentment in me, you know, that like I was just home for, you know, two weeks and I definitely like get to be I kind of revert to like a more child, like, you know, I get more immature. I get a little more whiny and stuff around my mom, but like, but I, but I'm also like, but I'm also really trying to be like grown ups with her and trying to like figure out our relationship as like two adult women who like live separately and like have different goals. And like, that is like challenging and comes with a really complicated set of feelings. And so I think, yeah, I think that's interesting what you're saying about like them, kind of aging into this middle-aged women in society are like, you know, always like the most invisible. It's like what people say, you know, like us being like a 60, 70 year old woman, you're like the most invisible. And yeah, I think that's that play here too. Um, but yeah, I, I've, for the past couple of years, I've really felt like watching the show feels like watching this kind of like aging happen and this like life of like being a middle-aged woman, woman. And like the, the, the there is a lot of like, being lost, you know, involved in like aging, yeah. especially as a woman. Yeah. Right. And they're, it's also like, they're not even old enough to be redeemed as like older women. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they are kind of stuck in this like purgatory almost. It's like a female purgatory. Yeah. Um, and uh, do, do you want to pivot? Cause I think that that could even be a good, yeah, a good pivot Yeah. Uh, to the deeply religious uh donda that oh, just yes. came out um oh wait quickly quickly should we just say yeah let's just we, let's just um leo was wearing a red scare t-shirt <laughs> oh yeah she was which which is hilarious which isn't even like i don't even want to make a whole crazy point about it it's just like it's just like a cut for me it's like a major collapse of like 
contexts <laughs> that's like feels a little crazy well it's just like the two i guess poles of pop culture yeah. colliding in like the most awkward unnecessary undesirable way yeah it's it's just awkward it was like <laughs> i don't know what it is i mean i want to say it's perverted but it's also not it's also like funny it's also cool it's also it's like is it inevitable no, i don't know cool yeah yeah no it's just it's just strange it's like pop culture i think has like pop culture has succeeded in uh in like in like making totally mundane or totally like out of context any notion of politics yeah like pop culture has no politics pop culture just like is the product of views or listenership or likes yeah for sure because there's no other possible way that red scare red red scare downtown meets hamptons yeah uptown like elite class they all know jeffrey epstein there's no other way that it makes sense we should pivot and also speaking of like pop culture not having any you know politics and yeah collapsing in on each other we had um the final release uh, the finally the release of donda after much anticipation in my city, in Chicago. In Chicago. I know. How come you didn't get those tickets, babe? You know, I did, but I, uh, Kanye was like, I'll play it for you in person. It's going to be much better. So I, um, I have the, I'm, I'm going to the net. It's, I'm on a private viewing party with Kanye. Um, well, well, so, um, <laughs> Donda, I, I like it. Um, I, it is a little bit like random feeling in some ways musically. And like, but I just like was like really having a hard time digesting like the pitchfork reviews of like, where are his drum machines? I was like, it's not about that. It's just like, well, not about that. Actually, actually, I, that was I'm, I'm happy that you brought that up because I want I wanted to make a point with that. Yes. Which, uh, Chris, partner to the pod. <laughs> um, was saying that Kanye, you know, so Kanye is like a. Kanye is is almost like the the perpetrator of the, the of the shift in pop culture to like Christianity and and purity. I remember years ago he was like Kim like cover up. You yeah. know, you have to look more modest. Yeah. And I think that that was like tension in their relationship, but Kanye is also a bit of an esotericist mm-hmm. and he kind of fashions himself as as the messiah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh you know and who am i to say who's the messiah but the the lowest chakra is the hold on i wrote it the down here. the lowest yeah the lowest chakra is the first chakra it's called the root chakra yes. and it's like in the in the genitalia region mm-hmm. That is the chakra associated with like bass drum and like 808 beats. Oh, you know, like that's the chakra. Kanye's going clean, right? Exactly. So it's just like those beats, which were like in a. I'm just blanking on the name, right? But what's the Bound to? uh, What's the album? Bound to or 808s and heartbreaks and. Yeah, I think that is 808s and Heart. You know the one where it's like the image of like the white girl on top of the black guy? What's that album called? It doesn't even it's matter. It's called My Beautiful but... Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yes, yes. Right, exactly. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But yeah, so Ka- Kanye Kanye is like not so specifically not using those oh. those beats because he wants to elevate the chakra to like the gospel, to like the head sounds, uh, to like the even the guitar that's in like the the first song yeah. on on Donda. Well, also he you like that he cut out all the swear words. Like the whole album is a clean version. I mean, I like a lot a couple of the songs like I like, and I thought for me like the, you know, I didn't watch many. I watched some of the listening party stuff, but like the song "Come to Life" is like my favorite one, and I think it's like the one that feels really like essentially it feels very Kanye to me in a way like this kind of like the way that he's rapping and like the way that his voice sounds and stuff. And, and it's, um, and come to life in a couple other songs. Like I kind of loved listening as a Kim, Kim follower. Cause you could kind of like feel like lyrics about their family and you're like, Oh, cause they, cause they keep that so secret, you know? 
Right. I mean, and uh, uh, that that was a great thing about like the at the listening party is that um, like very famously the wedding of Kim and Kanye was was hidden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we uh, we didn't we didn't see the wedding, but you know, now we're kind of like seeing this resuscitation that's like almost like corpse bride. Yes. You know, because yeah. Kim, uh, who comes out in the wedding dress, like she like the way the shadows work, her neck looks really long and her arms look super skinny. Yeah. Like not 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 skinny. They they look like line drawings, like yeah. in the like in the Tim Burton corpse bride. I mean, the the lighting on that was gorgeous. I mean, so we're talking about the video. It was in the it happened in the listening party, but the video for Come to Life was like a cut of this footage. And it, you know, zoomed in on Kanye's replica of his home, when which he then set himself on fire inside of. And then he comes out and then he's greeted by Kim and Kim walks for like the second half of the, sh- the second half of the song. Kim is just floating through this crowd of people who are walking the opposite direction. Yeah. And the shadows are beautiful. And, you know, it's so art. It's such an art video. Just like with a lot of budget <laughs> and like. And like, right. you know, then and then she she meets him and they exchange. They'd redo their vows. Um, and I don't actually know if they redo their vows, but I'd like to think that they I think that would be pretty cool if they repeated the same words. But it was like just an act. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that of uh, when it first came out or when uh, the v- people were first seeing the video, people were like, oh, it's like it's camp. But I, I actually think that it's beyond that, or it's not even beyond camp. I, I think that it's actually, um, I think it's, I think it's spiritual. I think it's religious. I think that and I think it's performance. Right. It's like really a performance. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's another lens to to look at it through. I mean, it right. It is performance, but I also think that it's. Uh, I think Kanye is someone who. Uh, what word am I looking for? I, or he's very direct with his symbolisms. Yes, and he's like he, you know, and even with the the whole Trump thing, I think he's very direct, and he he's drawn to direct um, objects for sure. Like with the red hat, for like sure. he really liked wearing that hat as like this very obvious political rendering of of his political views, which weren't even Trumpian. But I think that he's drawn towards like cultural signifiers that are that are loud and that are obvious and he's always and I think that you know people like oh he's controversial but I think that a lot of his controversy actually is just like tied into um how he how he's just drawn again like how he's how his like his art form it's even like this weird Barbara Kruger thing you know what I mean with like the where she just like there's an image and there are words on top of it and of course, there are many layers to to Barbara Kruger's art, um, and and of course, there are many dimensions in which to view it. But I think that it's like one of the like what draws you to her art and what draws you to Kanye's art is the is the obviousness and the loudness of it. Yeah, which perhaps through feminist art is easier to to take a step back and to think about. But I think that Kanye is what you're saying. I think that he's he's almost like redefining a version of a pop star where he's going, you know, where he's like, he's questioning it. And even with the Marilyn Manson and like the DeBaby stuff, which is pure that symbology. those are obvious. Right. Exactly. I think, right. They're symbols. Those are very obvious symbols of, of like cultural hell, which is also the hell where the house is burning, which right. is also the meme, which is like, this is all okay. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then also the symbol of like, you know, the kind of like, burning and like you know rising from ashes and burning down you know this replica of this house like cleansing fire and you know it's like so obvious and then the symbol of like a marriage and a wedding and vows and you know wedding vows are are things that um like directly reference and like give belief in a future and also like death. I was thinking about picking up on that like direct symbol. Like it's just, he's pretty, I mean, Kanye is a little obvious, which is like why he's so successful. I think, I think his obviousness is also um, like a, like a hidden subtlety, like the symbols of like rebirth, 
a light, like the song called come to life, like a entering into life or like walking into life or, you know, um, walking through your life into a new part or something or like moving through life. And there's, um, like I was reading the Vogue article about it and it was like, this is a symbol of creative rebirth for the artist. And like, was like the couple is repurposing moments. And like it, the article ended with like till death do them part. Indeed. It's like a repurposing of his past to, you know, give him place in the present. And, um, and I felt like with this idea of rebirth and stuff with, it's more obvious with like, you know, the Kanye burning and stuff, but with Kim, it's like, Kim has been reborn or reinvented like constantly. And mm -hmm. there's like an, yeah. there's a constant reinvention and cause she always keep, she keeps up. And, um, but it's like, is she reborn here? Like, no, but she's turned into this other kind of symbol that to me felt pretty like different from most of the way that Kim shows up publicly, you know, like usually you, if Kim is appearing somewhere, you're like, Oh, that's Kim Kardashian. Like it doesn't, it's not a secret, you know? Right. And she was so shrouded and she was this like bride. And that felt, it felt almost like it was stripping her of her Kimness in a way, but it was also referencing something that was very inherently Kim. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to talk through my hiccups okay. because whatever, I don't really care. Um, uh, but yeah, she was like a prop. <gasps> yeah. You know, and I think that like kind of is for Kanye. Right. And that but that's like I feel like that's another part of like the the of like Kanye's obviousness enacted through like a subtlety or like a subtlety enacted enacted through an obviousness mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, like they got married, then they got divor divorced, but they still are like creatively working together which is never a part a partnership that anyone saw in terms of Kim. Right. Like who thought that like after the marriage he would he would still look to, look to Kim as like an artistic partner. It's like this weird playoff of like Maria Marina or Ulan Abramovich. Yeah, exactly. You, and you also know like John like, and yeah. Yoko, you know, there's and Kanye right, is, Kanye is fully aware of those history. He's he's like a huge like obviously like a proclaimed fan of Marina Abramovich. Right, right. And I think that like there's um there's something kind of incredible there about he's he's still repurposing Kim. Yes. Right? He's making Kim into an artist. Like her presence there had this confusion of like whether of like is this something that's happening in reality or not? Because she she usually tethers Kanye to some sort of reality. And when she's involved, it's something that's like actually being that's like be a transact, like they're actually getting married. But like her just performing as a part of this like show doesn't really square with a Kim fan's understanding of her. It's like very romantic almost where it's like, yeah, like she's always tethering him to reality. But I feel like in this sense, she's letting him take her to his to his plane yeah. of his reality she is incorporating herself in his fantasy yeah in his artistic fantasy which is which which comes to life which comes to life you know uh, it was moving i mean I, that video was moving like i it was it was it felt emotional to me well come on there's so much grief in in your in your mother dying and and you know and it's even like a it's even you related to gentrification with like the the house burning and it being in Chicago which is where he's from and it's like you know uh you know he's from the south side of Chicago that's a neighborhood which is like because the University of Chicago and also just like because of gentrification in general is like being slowly subsumed um by these by these governmental and social for and economic forces the baby and Marilyn Manson appearing like reminded me of like you know, the famous video where it's like him and Kim and Caitlyn Jenner and Ray J like in bed together and, well, and, Trump, and Trump and right Taylor Swift. And yeah, which is like it's like I think it's a step further than like he loves controversial people. Like I think in the show yeah. when that happens, Kim is like he likes people who are like true to themselves is how she words it. And it's like, sure, these people are like true to themselves or they're controversial. 
he's also they're just super emblematic of like cultural moments, like super su- they're symbols of culture. And like, you know, he married Kim Kardashian. Yeah. He he loves a symbol like she is a and has grown into even more of a symbol of like culture. That is such a great point, because I think that like a symbol is also um, like deep, like deeply entrenched in like in like a specific time. Yeah. Frame. Like, I think that like you see a symbol um, and a symbol can be something that is 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 broad or is vague. But it actually, if you know what it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it takes you to a very direct point in the culture. Yes. Like you see Trump, you know exactly what tr- what Trump that's referring to. Right. You know exactly what who that is, what that is. Taylor Swift, you know exactly when she's in it. Like you know she's a simple force at the VMA. It's at the VMA. Yeah, like that's why she's in it. Um, and she's all you know. I made that bitch famous, you know. But I think that's what I was also getting at with like Bland Show, who who in the writing of this of the disaster is like talking about the like the um like theoretical concept of of the secret um you know a lot of what he's talking about is the messiah is the messiah and the end of the world and salvation but he was talking about like the the esoteric understanding of the secret and he was saying that like, the secret is it's there it's in it's in front of you the seek the, the thing about the secret is that it's hiding in plain sight mm-hmm. and i think that that's um that's something that you 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 see in like the language of obviousness is that there there is this thing which sparks immediate reaction yes but there's also a secret to it or that is the secret which is like it's all happening there you don't you don't even need to it's like an it's, excuse me it's like an argument towards like you don't need to delve into x y and z like what's going on is what's going on in front of you. Yeah. Like there, there's enough narrative there. There's enough symbolism, which us even naming an icon, an icon, or like Kanye even bringing Kim back from the dead, because they're divorced. So it's like the death of their relationship. It's her, like like that is that is like enough of a cultural signifier or a symbol in and of itself. Like he's like, read this. You know, it's a, it's, it's a command. The obviousness is like a command. You know, the um, Kardashian colloquium, which is an Instagram account, um, talked about like how she really feels like simulacra and simulation is like the tome of the, the Kimye relationship and talks, she talks about, you know, the kind of like the house and the replication and like the performance. And it really is like, it is obviousness. It's like keeps coming. Like that's the thing I think I've, I've realized is like, I think for a long time I felt like I was watching the Kardashians as, as like, as a thing that was like rooted in like a time or something. And I'm like, no, it's like happening constantly, you know? And like, and like, there's always something new to be addressing. Well, right. And that's what makes it hard to, to kind of devote yourself to it as like a, a practice or a methodology, because it's like, Right. You realize that like keeping up with the Kardashians, it's like it's taunting you. It's like, can you keep up? Like, you know, and I've always been very wary of using Baudrillard, you know, but Baudrillard just he wrote simulation. So that's not to you. That's to everyone who's listening. Um, I just I'm 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 wary of using it because I actually think that that's like a little bit too obvious. Super obvious. But it's it's correct. And I think that. No, I mean, it's correct. But I, I mean, I think that I just I, I think that it uh, it even goes beyond the the idea of the simulation. You know what I mean? I th- Well, first of all, because Baudrillard is like indebted to Deleuze and Guattari, who in difference and repetition um, come up with the idea. They don't call it simulation, simulacra. They call it like difference and repetition and the repetition there you know how to like they're kind of like confronted with the question of how to differentiate between repetitions or what happens when a repetition moves through time so it's obviously different but it's also the exact same mm-hmm. and i think that like that's even a better um way to way to view reality television or kim and kanye but then like of course to losing Atari are indebted to arto who's the poet you know that's where their whole body without organs shit comes from which is like i don't know I'm, I'm not going to paraphrase this well but it's almost like the ritual sacrifice as a way to like achieve your soul which 
then that comes full circle to what Kanye's doing with the burning because Archo writes this poem about the body without organs, which which is sacrifice, like personal sacrifice by by burning in flames. Uh, because it's uh it's 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 like the so it's like so deeply esoteric that he was like literally confined to like a psych ward. You know what I mean? Um so your body burns like Kanye's body burns and then what you're left with is is like almost like the real humanness or the real humanity and like Arto is also this like total like gay freak, <laughs> you know? So I think that that's actually like if you go to the root of all of it, if you go to the root of Baudrillard, because Baudrillard is also talking about a very different type of America mm-hmm. than uh, reality. And like he he does talk a lot about reality TV, but I also he he also talks about like the the pure emptiness, like the imminent emptiness of the American landscape. And he, you know, so I I always am a little bit wary of relating his theory too directly i think that they're more in, like just going even back with his influences there are a lot more interesting ways to view it but no i no, i agree i think that's that's those are all really good points i mean to those uh listening um we will be kind of diving into these ideas of difference and repetition um mm-hmm. and futurity and all that kind of stuff uh in and beige and beige we're going deep on beige um in our presentation for Composium, the sequel, uh, which is an academic symposium. It's happening on September 14th through 16th. Uh, I think you, if you look it up, you could get uh, event right to it. But also we will be presenting on the 16th and we'll be posting our presentation and uh, we'll be posting a, an Instagram form of our presentation. Uh, so stick with us on that. Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good Labor Day. Good night. Yeah, fun Labor Day. Um, Bye. Bye. Elegance and flair and savoir faire. You-
to be rich or famous to be unforgettable. <laughs> it's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. Money can't buy your class.